John chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus says, uh, is, uh, he's just actually, he's just finished praying. And then it says this, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus uh, said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. And then he asked them again, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way that the saying might be fulfilled which he spoke of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? Then the detachment of troops and the captain And the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. And they led him away to Annas first, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. Let's pray. Father, we're here, Lord, we're here, we're here, we're here to hear from you, Lord. We're here because we don't, we don't want to, we don't want to stay the way we are. We, we love you for where you've brought us. And we love you for where you're going to take us. We love you because, Lord, you, you accept us just the way we are. And we love you because you love us so much you don't want to, us to stay in that same place, Lord. And, Father, I, I, I pray in Jesus' name that just as the worship team has just led us into worship, that that worship would continue, that as we hear the word, your word, that our heads would bow down, that we would be bowing down in our hearts more and more and more, and that just by the end of this service, Lord, that we would be worshiping you, empowered, empowered to love, empowered to give, and empowered to die to ourselves and surrender. Lord, that's what you say your word, your word does. And so we, we embrace that promise, that promise that the word is living and active. We pray that for us here today at Calvary Chapel in the city, and we pray that for every church declaring the word of God in the city. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, you may be seated. So, John chapter 13 and 14, we've been going chapter by chapter. John chapters 13 and 14 was the account of the Last Supper. From John 13 on, it's, it's, it's 24 hours. Uh, and the 24 hours more or less begins with John chapter 13 and 14, It was the account of the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples in Jerusalem. Matt was just up here doing announcements. He's talking about our evening communion. Friday night, um, August 10th, we bring the first and second services together. We don't want to be two churches. It's a time for all of us to come together and celebrate communion. Now, that first communion uh, is recorded uh, what happened is recorded in John chapter 13 and 14, uh, the Last Supper Jesus had in Jerusalem. Now, 
John chapters 15 through 17, where we have been for the last couple months, were on the road from Jerusalem to the Garden of Gethsemane. And so we come here on Sunday morning, and, and, and I first want to consider this. Before getting into the heart of the message, I, I want to, why do we come here on Sunday mornings? We come here on Sunday mornings to turn our hearts, our eyes, our minds to Jesus. That's why we are here, to get to know him more so that we will love and worship him more, so that we will follow him with joy and strength and perseverance and resolve. That's why we come here. And there's something about these chapters leading up to to chapter 18 that I just want to point out as I was preparing uh, this message. I was just I, I was just struck by how all in Jesus is with whatever he does. <laughs> so it, it, he, when he's talking to his disciples, it's just them as if there's no one else in the world. I struggle with that. I really do. I mean, when I'm doing something, I'm thinking about two or three or more other things. When I'm often when I'm too often when I'm talking with someone, I'm I'm thinking about two or three other people. And 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 I'm just but Jesus it, he wasn't like that. In fact, John chapter 13, where all this began, these last 24 hours, verse 1 of John chapter 13 says this. It says this. It says, having loved his own, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved his own, he, he, he loved them to the end. And, and, and so in, in chapter 13, all the way through 17, he's all in with his, he's focused on his disciples. Uh, first at the Lord's Supper, which begins with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. He stands up, he, he takes on the role of a house servant. And, and he removes his outer, outer garment, he pours water into a basin, and he washes their feet. Then he gets up, and in the book of Luke, chapter 22, verse 15, he says to them, he says, with great desire, I have desired to eat with you, to to share Passover with you, meaning with double desire, with double desire, I am so excited about having this Passover, this, this dinner with you before my suffering, he says. He was all in. I mean, he knew everything that was about to happen. Read verse 4 of chapter 18 with me. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, he knew he was going to be chained up, hauled away, beaten up, thrown on a cross, and crucified. He knows that, but he's still all in. He's all in. And so he, he, he has that... In, in, in chapter seven, 13, he has that first communion. He shares the wine, which represents his blood, uh, that would be poured out for them, the bread, which represents his broken body. And for, and for the rest of chapters 13 and 14 and 15 and 16, he's just pouring into them, and it's just, just them. And I want to be like that. Oh, how I want to love like that. I take comfort in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and I'm telling you, I, I, I think about this verse every day. It says this of you and me. It says, we all with unveiled face, meaning unblinded to all the lies of, that we once bought into, behold, as in a mirror, Jesus, the glory of the Lord, and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. How I want to be all in. With, with, with everyone, including the Lord. When I'm praying to God, I don't want to be thinking about 25 other things. And, and so we get this really, uh, this beautiful picture uh, in, this, in this last chap, these, these last chapters. So after the, after the Last Supper, he shares with them in, in chapter 13, 14, 15, and 16. He's pouring into them, telling them about the coming of the Holy Spirit, telling them about what is most important, the most important thing, meaning being in a deep, abiding, loving relationship with him. And he compares, uh, 
uh, he compares uh, to a vine and a branch, he being the vine, them being the branches. And he's pouring into them, he's telling me about the promise of joy and love and peace, peace which is in him, and, and telling them also about the trouble that would be coming their way. He's all in, even though he knows what's up. I mean, he's got Judas there. And in chapter 13 and 14, he's, he, he, he's, got, uh, he's got Judas there. Actually, I think, no, it's in chapter 13. I think Judas leaves in chapter 13. But he's he, still a good part of that chapter. Ju- Judas is there. He's serving him. And he's having the Last Supper. And he's all in, even though he's got an enemy right there. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but if I have an enemy within 10 miles, I have a hard time focusing on whatever I'm doing. And so what an example uh, to us. And, and oh, our Savior and our Lord and, 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 and his example here. So now it's important as, 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 as we're coming here to get to know Jesus, to see Jesus, to, to focus on him so that by the end of this service we are, we're just bowing down and we're worshiping him. We're saying, yes, I love you. I want to be like you. Notice where Jesus goes in chapters 17 and 18, he's been talking with them, with his disciples. He's actually been talking really through them. He's, by the Holy Spirit, he's talking to you and me. He's talking to them in chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, and he goes from talking with them to talking with God. Here's so often where we falter, but we just can't. We can't falter on this one. You know, we can help people until we're blue in the face. We, we can, our children, our wives, our husbands, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors, whoever God has a stranger in front of us, whoever God is, has, has put in front of us in, in, our, in our life, but if we're not going to break away from them and pray, which is what happens in John chapter 17. And oh, does a chapter happen in John chapter 18 or the events in John chapter 18. If we're not going to break away from the very people we want so badly to help, we're not helping them. We're not helping ourselves. We're not helping God in the sense, not that he needs our help, but he has called us to bear fruit for him. We're never going to bear anything if we're not breaking away and, 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 and going to him, which is what at the, at the end of chapter 16, that's the end of his instructions. He says, last instruction he makes to them before uh, he's crucified, he says, in this world you're going to have trouble, but take heart, I've over, overcome, the, overcome the world. And from then on until his arrest, it's all about prayer. He's essentially, he's broken away and he's going right to God. So... Uh, Notice, in this chapter, chapter 18, we saw Jesus bound up and taken away. It says in verse 12, the detachment of troops, chapter 18, verse 12, and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him, and they led him away. Notice, notice when he was bound up and taken away. You don't see him as he's going away uh, uh, talking to his disciples. And, re- and, and remember, don't forget, you've got to encourage each other. And don't forget, uh, you've got to love each other. And don't forget to wash all the dishes after you. And don't forget, and don't forget. You don't see that. Moms, that's what many of you do. You know it. You know that's what you do. You get to break away from your kids, and you get to call on the name of God. Dads, you do the same thing. But, but we're, so often, this is, this is our, how we've learned to be helpful to someone. Just pour in every minute of the day into them, and without breaking away and going to God. Listen, that's the most important work, the most important work. No, by the time Jesus was taken away in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had been deep, we're talking miles deep, 
in prayer with God, probably for an hour or two. First in chapter 17, he's praying for his disciples, but then in chapter 18, he's praying for himself. Listen, if you're going to be a blessing to the people in your life, you must break away from them and pray to God for them, and then you have to pray for yourself. And you may, you may think, well, that sounds selfish, praying for myself. Well, listen, it absolutely is not selfish. It's, it's, it's what love looks like. If you are not praying to God to pour into you, you are not going to be a blessing to anybody. You're, you're not going to be a blessing to anybody. <laughs> let Jesus be your example. And, and let the Apostle Paul Rather, the Apostle Peter, Peter be an example. What did we just read? He hacked off someone's ear trying to help them. Jesus had told Peter, and we'll get to this in a, in a minute, he told him at the Garden of Gethsemane, pray that you wouldn't go into temptation. He falls asleep, and next thing you know, he's, he's hacking off the ear of the high priest's servant. Wait, that's not Jesus. That's not Jesus. Jesus, what are you doing? I mean, I, Peter, am I not supposed to drink the cup that God has given me? And, and, and so you, me, our most important duty, it doesn't have to be a duty, by the way, it can be, it, it can be joy, listen to that message about six weeks ago, but that your most important job, duty, responsibility, role in life is to break away from whoever God has put in your life and pray. So in chapter, chapter 17, Jesus breaks out in prayer to the Father for his disciples. And again, he's all in, meaning he's focused on crying out to God for all his disciples. And remember, he's also crying out for you and for me. But John chapter 17 is all about, he's all in. He knows what's going what's to happen. He knows he's going to be beaten to a bloody pulp and thrown on a cross. He knows that. He knows he's going to be seized by the Romans, brutally beaten, thrown on a cross. But he's all in. He's all in. He's all in for you. Back in uh, last week, we read verse 20 of chapter 17. He's, he's all in thinking about you. 2,000 years ago, thinking about you. He's saying there in verse 20 of chapter 17, I do not pray. For these alone, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that the world may believe that you sent me. So he's all in. I'm encouraged as I continue to follow Jesus. This is the man he's making me into. The woman, the man that he's making you into. All in with your, whoever you're around, most importantly, with the Lord. So he finishes his prayer for you, his prayer for me in John chapter 17, and then we begin in verse 1 of John chapter 18. This is where we began this morning. Let's read it again. Verse 1, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, tor torches, and weapons. Okay. Now notice, here, John, who wrote this letter, he leaves out a bunch of stuff. Those of you who know Matthew, Mark, and Luke know that between the time Jesus got to the Garden of Gethsemane and the time he's arrested, a lot of things happened, right? And, and so John here is assuming you are familiar with Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That before Jesus was arrested, a lot of things happened. Remember, John is written 40 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So he's assuming you know about it. 
But, but, but I don't want to get I don't want to get too deep into Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But I do want I do think it's important that you understand a few things that ha- happened before Judas showed up. So between the time that Jesus and his disciples got to the garden and the time that Judas showed up with all those Roman soldiers, here's a, here's what happened. Matthew twenty six. <clears throat> it says this: when he got to the garden. Uh, verses 37 and 38, it says, Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane. Gethsemane in the Greek means the place of the pressing, the pressure. Jesus was going to be pressed in at Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, Sit here while I go and pray over there. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. And then in Luke, it says this. It says, he's, so this is a, he's recording his prayer. So he goes from praying for his disciples in John chapter 17, and in the events in John chapter 18, he's praying to God for himself, about himself, and he's saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And, and then the, a couple of verses later, it says this, and being in agony. Being in agony, he prayed more earnestly than his sweat became like Great drops of blood falling to the ground. So there you have it. See, when, when, when Jesus was hauled away by the Roman detachments, the troops, Judas, that's what had just happened. He was ready. <laughs> he was ready for the cross. And don't think for a moment that God's not calling you into the same place. He's calling you into a place of this kind of prayer. Sean, can we put the last verse up again? That word agony there and being in agony, the same exact word is used in Colossians chapter 4. I think it's verse 12. There's a guy named Epaphras And Paul says to the Colossians, he says, Epaphras, who's one of you, he's a Colossians, he's a Colossian, um, he is in agony praying for you. And I, I, I pray that God would send agonizing prayer warriors to Calvary Chapel in the city. And, and, but, but I tell, and, and I tell you this, you know, God's calling us to break us away from the people that are around us, the people we so desperately want to help, and he's calling us deep into prayer, and sometimes even agonizing prayer for them, for us. And, and after God pours into you, let me tell you, you're more than a conqueror. You're ready for anything. You are ready for anything. So, so there you have it, though. That's what happened between the time that Jesus got to the Garden of Gethsemane and the time that he was hauled away. He was in, like, major deep prayer with the Lord, so much so. The stress was bringing, bringing blood into his drops of sweat. He was, he was sweaty, uh, bloody sweat is what he had. There was that much agony. So again, verse 1, let's, let's focus in again on verse 1. Notice, we don't, I don't want you to miss this, in verse 1 it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples. It, it says he took his disciples. Have you ever wondered why Jesus didn't just go to the Garden of Gethsemane by himself? I mean, he knows some really, really heavy, scary things are going to happen. I mean, a huge band of Roman soldiers is going to show up, as well as spies, officers uh, from the Jewish temple, who are going to recognize all the disciples. 
and, and they're, they're going to know, they're going to see them, why doesn't Jesus just go by himself and get arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane? Why doesn't he do that? Yeah, I don't want them, these guys to be scared out of their mind. I love them. I, I'm, I'm going to spare them of that. No, he doesn't do that. And, and how confused we are of what love looks like. We think that love is always about protecting our loved ones from trouble. Well, then consider this. Jesus walked them right into this trial. And that trial that you're in, that trial that you're in, Jesus walked you right into it. He walked you right into it. And, 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 you know, so important. Quit complaining about that person in your life, that, that woman, that guy, that office worker, that boss. Jesus walked you into them. He right in, up into them where those people are in your life. He walked you into the trial you're in. You, you, I, I say this all the time in counseling. You're, you're complaining about him. You should be complaining about God, right directly to Jesus. He's in control. He walked you into this thing. Why are you complaining about them? You should be agonizing with the Lord about, Lord, why did you, why did you bring me into this, Lord? If it, Lord, if, if it's your will, take this cup away. Take this person away. Take this crazy wife away. Take this crazy husband away. No, but we rest of the prayer, but not my will, but your will, Lord. So he, he walks us into trials. Why? Why? Because he loves you. Because he loved the disciples, he brought them to the Garden of Gethsemane. It says of Joseph, and you remember what Joseph went through. He was sold as a slave by his brothers. Uh, then Potiphar's wife falsely accused him. He gets thrown in prison for years. And it says in the book of Psalms that God led him, walked him into those trials. And, and why? Because in the Psalms it says he was putting iron into his soul. God is doing with you. Is that awesome or what? He will walk you right into the Garden of Gethsemane because he's putting iron into your soul. We're going to be flaky, weak people for the rest of our life or are we going to let Jesus walk us into the trial? Are we going to run away from them or are we going to be with him in it? So important. So verse 2 goes on, says, Judas, who betrayed Jesus, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples, then, Ju then, Jesus, rather than Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. So Judas is given, it says, a detachment of troops. Now that, that word, those two words, of troops, they're in italics, excuse me, italics in my Bible, it means they're not there. It, 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 the direct translation is when Judas received a detachment. That, that word detachment, it's in, in the original Greek, the, the Bible in front of you, it wasn't written in English or Spanish, it was, it was written in Greek, and the Greek for the word detachment, what it means is one-tenth of a Roman legion, and a Roman legion was 6,000 soldiers. That means there were 600 Roman soldiers as well as Jewish officers and priests from the temple. 600 Roman soldiers. And, and, and you might think, well, that's, that's crazy. But, you know, really it's not. I mean, consider how many times we have read in the book of John that the, the Jewish religious leaders, they wanted to arrest Jesus, but they didn't. Why? Why did they say? Shout it out. Someone shout it out. Fear of the people, fear of the multitude. There were thousands upon thousands of people who had been following Jesus. And Judas and the chief priests are going out to arrest him. They don't know who's out there. And they don't know what's going to happen when they arrest Jesus and they're bringing him back to Jerusalem. Are they going to have a couple thousand zealots go after them you, you have to understand and we'll get more into this when we're we're talking about the roman governor Pilate later in the chapter the this was a crazy crazy hard place to be palestine at the time of jesus the jews riot after riot 
after riot after riot. And, and they were an extremely hard people to govern. There was a brand, uh, there was a sect of Jews called the Zealots. Jesus, there was a Zealot, was one of the 12 apostles, in fact. And, and, and these people just blindsided Romans and killed them. And, and so five, 600 Roman soldiers accompanying Judas uh, here. And, and again, Matthew calls it, in, in the book of Matthew, he calls it a great multitude, a great multitude. And so it says, let's continue on in verse 4, it says, Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, whom are you seeking? Why do we come to church on Sunday morning? So we can read about Jesus and love him, adore him, and follow him more than, any, more than our, our, all our heart could ever possibly do. And here, this guy's a man's man. I, I, I tell you, the definition of man is being reinvented in the United States of America. This guy single-handedly walks out in front and faces a Roman detachment of 600 soldiers. Who are you going after? He's a man of great courage. And he, he's calling all us men to be uh, the, the same thing. And, and uh, it says, so he, he goes to them and he says, whom are you seeking? Now, by the way, if, if you're thinking, what about Judas's kiss? I think it probably happens before here. Matthew and Luke talk about Jesus, uh, Judas kissing Jesus at this time as a way of identifying to the Roman soldiers and the Jews who Jesus was. Um, I believe that it probably happened right before uh, verse 4. Some uh, Bible scholars think it happened around verses 9 and 10, but Matthew says uh, actually Judas was out front of this detachment. So, uh, but in any event, he says, he, he gets right up in front of these Roman soldiers and the Jewish high priest, and he says, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, was, who, who betrayed him, also stood with him. So Jesus would have kissed him and gone back into the crowd. Verse 6 says, Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Wow. Just two words, by the way. And they fell to the ground. It says that he said, in verse 6, it says he said, I am he. Actually, uh, the word he is in it, uh, italics. All he said was, I am. And boom, dominoes. All these guys, Romans known throughout the world, even to this day, as one of the, the cruelest, most effective, barbaric soldiers. <laughs> Two words it took. To bring 600 of them down. I am. Now, the book of John, we've been seeing those two words throughout this whole book, haven't we? I am. And most of you who have been with us for a while know know where those two words come from, I am. A couple thousand years before, Israelites are in Egypt, they're enslaved, they're slaves, the Egyptians. God calls, uh, rather Moses, who's raised in Pharaoh's house, sees an Egyptian beating up a Jew, he kills the Egyptian, he's found out, and he goes, in, he goes out into the desert where he is for 40 years. So he's out in the for in his 40th year in the desert, he's basically going to die out there. And God appears to him in a burning bush. And he says, I want you to go back and you're going to deliver these people from slavery and you're going to take them up to the land we now know as Israel today. And Moses says, what are you, crazy? I'm not doing that. Like, I'm a shriveled up of a man now. I've been out here for 40 years. That's what God has to do to us sometimes so that we can get rid of our pride and become usable. But... Uh, Another story for another sermon for another day, but, but he said he, he's protesting with God. Well, that's, that's crazy. If I go back, who do I say you are? Like, what's your name? If they say, who is the one who's telling us to, to do what you're trying to convince us to do, Moses? What name 
do I give them? And his answer, what was his response? I am. I am who I am. See, in the Bible, God, that's his name. I am Jehovah, Yahweh. We don't know for sure how to pronounce it. They didn't use vowels. I am. Now, I am, again, the, uh, the Hebrews at the time, the Jews at the time, they didn't, they didn't have, uh, the, the name for God wasn't like, you know, Tom, Dick, or Harry, or, or Jane, or Frederica, or whatever. God is given the name I am because his name is who he is. His name is his character. And so a big, big deal in the book of John Remember, it's written 40 years after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. A big, big deal to him is that Jesus is God, and this is who he is. He's the great I am. And so John fills in the blanks. I am what? So, Sean, can we get the uh, chart up there? So, starting off in John chapter 6, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. That's who God is. That's who I am. I am the light of the world. John chapter 10, verse Seven, I am the door of the sheep. There's not many doors. There is one door that the sheep go through in order to go to heaven. John chapter 10, verse 11, I am the good shepherd. John chapter 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. John chapter 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 15, verse 1, I am the true vine. I am, he says, and 600 soldiers fall on there, as my wife says, on their behinds. You know, I don't think enough is made out of this incident. I really don't. We would do well, he, and actually, this is what your homework is this week. I want you to read about this. Jesus saying, I am, and these 600 soldiers falling backward and the religious leader I just want you to read it this week over and over, and I want you to let it sink in. This is the God you serve. Two words is all it takes to deal with that situation in your life. Two words. This is the power of God. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3 says, Jesus says, he upholds all things by the word of his power. It doesn't say power of his word. His word is power. Two words, I am. And all these, all these guys fall back. This is your Lord. This is your Savior. This is the one that you cry out in your time of need, who you cry out to when you are praying for that loved one or that situation that you need him so desperately to, to get involved with. This is who you pray to. Right here, two words. Let's continue on. Verse 7 says, Then, so they're back on their behinds, they get up, and he says to them again, Whom are you seeking? You may think at this time they're thinking, Should we really really answer this? (laughs) And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I've told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, Let these go their way, that the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke, of those whom you gave me, I have have lost none. Then it says, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Peter drew a sword and he cut off the guy's right ear. So here's the deal. Here's a picture of what you're going to do. That's you and you and you and you and me. If you don't break away from the people in your life that God has called you to serve 
and go to God and pray and follow Jesus' example. He broke away from those disciples. There's a million other things he could have told those disciples. There could be 25 other chapters uh, between, you know, before chap- what happened in chapter 18. But Jesus cut it off and he broke out and he got with God and he cried out to God for them and for them. This is what you're going to do. You're going to chop off their ear. You're going to chop it off. I have chopped off so many ears in my life. The people that I'm, God has called me to help. I've just chopped off their ears. Why? Because I haven't broken away. I haven't broken away. And, and cried out to God. In so many ways we do this. And, 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 when we don't follow Jesus' example, and if, man, if Jesus is doing it, certainly we need to do that, of breaking away and, and helping others and helping ourselves by going directly to God, we're going to wind up hurting the very people that God has called us to help, and ultimately, many times what happens, we wind up forsaking them, ditching them, denying them. Because what happens in just a few verses? uh, Peter denies Jesus three times, and then he bolts. And do you know how many times I I see this? That someone's so desperate to help, and sometimes this someone has been me, and they're helping, and they're helping, and they're helping, and then they just stress out and freak out, and then they're gone. And this this is the reason here. This is... There's no agonizing in prayer. We think we can just do everything without God. God's called us to come to an end end of ourselves. Our extremity is his opportunity. Break away from that person in your life, brother and sister in Calvary Chapel in the city. Break away from them and understand that the best thing you could possibly do to help them is to pray for them and also ask God to pour into you. God pours into you, then you'll be able to help them. If not, you're going to be hacking off ears left and right. I had there's so many ears on the ground of people I love since, since I've become a Christian. And the amazing thing about it is this. Consider what happened with the interactions between Jesus and Peter right before Peter hacks off this ear. Uh, first, let's go to Matthew uh, 26, 31 and 33. We're going to put that up on the projection screen. Uh, this is Peter answered Jesus. Uh, Jesus actually, right before this, Jesus says to all his disciples, all of you are going to stumble and you're all going to fall away. You're all going to bolt. You're all going to betray me and bolt. Not just Judas, everyone, every one of you. This is what Peter says in response. He answered Jesus and said, even if everybody else is made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Next verse. Verses 34 and 35, Jesus said to him, Peter, assuredly I say to you that this night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I have to die with you, I will not deny you. And I think we have one other verse. It's the verse that, that um, actually Jesus uh, shares with, with Peter and with James and with John when they get to the, the Garden of Gethsemane. Uh, when they initially get to the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, he, he, he tells them, uh, you wait here, uh, we uh, here it is in Matthew 26, 40, 41. He came to the, with the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. And so what happens? <laughs> he falls asleep. He doesn't pray and he falls, as- falls asleep and, and, and he gave into temptation. What temptation did he give into? Anger. He's Jesus being hauled away. 
He says, well, I'm not going to let this happen. I'm Peter. I, I'm the guy who's better than everyone else. I, I, in terms, I've, I've said that if everyone else uh, stumbles, I am going to help this guy. So he pulls out his swords and he acts off a guy's ear. And Jesus said to Peter, he, uh, he says to him in verse 11, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup when my father, which my father has given me? Jesus is saying, you don't know what you're doing. I mean, here Peter is trying to help him, and Jesus is on the way to the cross to free us from sin and judgment and hell and torment. And here Jesus is, is getting in the way. Rather, Peter's getting in the way. That's what we do when we help, we help, we help, we help without, without praying. We get in the way of God. We get right in the way of God. And that person who we're trying to help winds up getting hurt by us. Watch and pray. I, I love the instruction. I'll end with this at the end of Ephesians. Ephesians is all about spiritual warfare. Uh, you're, don't think your battle is against flesh and blood. It's against principalities and powers of the air. I just love what it says at the end of uh, chapter 6 when he's talking about the armor of God. Uh, maybe the most important verse in the whole chapter, but man, I've been ignoring it for years because I'm so focused on the other pieces of the armor. He says in verse 18, be watchful with all perseverance. Be watchful. In other words, and what he means by that is if you're in prayer, if you're in the Spirit, if you're, if you're sensitive to what's going on in your life, you're going to be praying. <laughs> Jesus said to Peter, watch and pray, or else you're going to fall into temptation. And Peter hacks a high priest's ear off, and then what does he do? He goes on and he denies Jesus three times, and he forsakes him. So... This is a tough chapter to end a sermon in because um, you, you sort of have to just stop at some place because there's, there's not really a, a natural place to stop. We'll, we'll, we're going to take this up um, next time in verse 14 when we're, we're, we're in here again. I want to end with, prayer, with worship and prayer right now. If we can just call the worship team up. If you've been asked to pray, if you could please come up at this time. What do we want to pray about? Well, God's walked you into a trial, some of you. He's walked you right into it. <laughs> and you, he, and, and part of what he's doing, he's calling you into a place of prayer where you're recognizing and acknowledging, wow, the, I need to pray to the one who with two words, 600 Roman soldiers and Jewish high priests and Jew, temple officers fell right on their back or whatever it is. I, two words! And I've been ignoring them. I've just been complaining about this and that and why is all this happening. Jesus walked me into this trial. This is a, just a recognition of that. And so as the worship team begins, just let this be a time to to come up and pray. I'll be up here. You can pray with me. That's, we always say it. If, man, if we can't be vulnerable with family here, we're never going to be vulnerable at all. If you, if you want prayer, come up and, and let's pray together. You've been helping someone, helping someone, helping someone, helping someone, and it's only made the situation worse. Or you've been trying to help yourself, help yourself, help yourself, help, and, and you feel you're, you're sinking. God's calling you to break away. Break away from them. Break away from yourself. Come to me. Agonizo. Agonize. And let's just let's pray as we worship. Why don't you stand? We'll, we'll worship this one last song. I'm going to pray, and, and then we'll worship and pray together. Father, we thank you. Lord, so much drama. Who needs TV, Lord, or movies, or Netflix when we have the Bible? And Lord, the drama is not here just for us to be entertained. It's for us to embrace. Lord, your word says that you're a God of power, but it really comes to life when two words, with two words, 
you defeat a contingent of soldiers. Oh, Father God, how we're bound up with fear. There's no need to be in fear. Your word says that we're not to have, as children of God, we're not to have a spirit of fear, but love power and a sound mind. Love power, power, and a sound mind. Oh, Lord, how we want those, that sound mind so we can go out and give what we've received from you. Lord, there's so much power in your life. The life that you speak through your words by just two words, much less many which you want to share with us. Lord, I just speak into every situation that's going on in every life of every believer in this room. expand the borders of their heart, fill their heart with faith. Lord, we don't want to ignore we don't want to ignore this incident, this, this event, this these two verses about Jesus speaking and basically the devil being knocked out with two words. So many times in the past, Lord, I've run right through it, right to where Jesus is arrested and taken away. Lord, we just reflect. Lord Jesus, you say in your word, Hebrews 1, you uphold all things by the to think that you exercise your power with love with abounding love towards us Father I just pray that we would continue to worship and that we would just be praying and crying out to you draw anybody in this this gathering here Lord or anyone listening into that agonizo place that place of crying out so we want to be prepared, Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.